expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. Uh, Charlotte's question about vanadium. I don't even know what vanadium is, but you will know, Bevan Jones. Is it an answer for sustainable, renewable energy? I think vanadium comes into its own in terms of, uh, I think we're looking at redox batteries. So definitely on the battery storage side, um, people like Bushfeld Minerals are doing very good work there. So I, I do think that is an opportunity for us. Vanadium, we, we obviously have some vanadium in the country, so that's great for us. But it's it's a little bit few and far between. So I, th- I think if the tech really improves, vanadium could be a, a really good one to look at Yeah, on the battery side. Ilya Gralich, earlier on you were talking about logistics and the complexity and what the big advantage is for established players on our continent in terms of the huge complexity of moving supplies in and materials out. And you were just talking about COVID-19 and the complexity that has caused in terms of the logistics of getting products out to market. I mean, just talk to me about some of that complexity, if you would. Look, um, there's a number of role players, I think, for starters, that needs to be that needs to be considered. So um, mining is capital intensive at the best of times. So you need to start looking at some kind of cooperation or use existing infrastructure in order to move your products. Bevan addressed uh, an interesting point where cooperation is important. So um, in Australia, the big iron ore guys started developing their own railway lines for their own use. Um, when smaller players wanted to come in, the government had to step in to say, well, let other guys make use of it because the simple snowball effect of having more industry um, from an economic point of view I think is evident to everyone so I think that's an important aspect to consider. Africa, the African continent simply lacks infrastructure that's the important factor to consider so even in South Africa we've moved away from a transnet that was very efficient um, and I think the private sector is even to ass- willing to assist transnet in some kind of public-private partnership to expand their network. Just the regulation and the bureaucracy has meant that these things haven't been that easy has meant that other industries have sprung up so the trucking industry has grown from a logistics point of view and that's great in order to get your product to the coast if you don't have railway allocation but that means the existing road network suffers because there's too many trucks on the road so there's pros and cons in terms of looking at those scenarios more to COVID, um, apart from the infrastructure that we are lacking on the continent has meant that because of social distancing not that many people coming to work right down to sailors for ships not being able to get to the ships because they can't be moved around as efficiently through airlines has meant that you are battling to find space on a ship. So you better have your own logistics um, division or you better be logistically very smart to make sure that you can get your product onto a ship, load that ship very quickly and that that ship reaches your end customer as fast as possible because that then starts affecting your cash flow. So um, logistics has been a challenge throughout this whole COVID scenario with very specific areas where um, industries that supply logistics have not worked as efficiently because of of the lack of manpower. But logistics on the African continent remains a massive challenge. You just got to look at it geographically. How do you move copper out of the central Congo? Where is the nearest coastline? And then once you've found the nearest coastline, start counting the number of harbors that are available for export. And you will be lucky to find the number of five, both on the east and on the west side of the continent, that are able to take these large ships. So um, that remains a massive, massive 
concern for me on the continent and will require a lot of capital to be spent in order to get that up to the uh, to the right levels. Talk to me about, Ilya, if you would, local security. The insurgency in northern Mozambique, for example, a question talking about implications yeah. of local security issues and um, as we see northern, uh, northern Mozambique impacting LNG plans there. I mean, local security across the continent, uh, occasionally there's just an eruption of rigorous excitement mm-hmm. in different parts of the continent. Right now, northern Mozambique has got to be in your crosshairs. Yeah, look, I think security remains a concern in in a lot of countries around the world. Um, mining is a frontier business. I think that's that's something that we need to consider. And as much as you addressed a retailer earlier who grew their business on along the west coast of Africa on the back of the mining and oil boom, if it wasn't for the frontier industries such as mining, um, nobody would put up a supermarket or a cell phone network or provide beer to these areas because there simply wouldn't be any demand. So security remains part of the equation. I think governments are well aware of the problem. Often these governments, it's a sort of a chicken and egg scenario that they find themselves in for the simple reason that they'd like the investment and they need the investment to uh, improve the government across the sector. But at the same time, that's not going to take place because the lack of investment because there is no security. As I said, it's a chicken and egg scenario that you need to consider. Certainly, the, the media has brought the problem to, to the attention, I think, of the broader public. Um, one has to hope that the governments have the ability to manage these situations. But to be frank, Mozambique has been a bit of a uh, hot cauldron for, for some time. Following the end of the civil war, there was investment taking place, um, BHP um, or Billiton slash Genkor in there very early on the aluminium side. Other investments started taking place on the uh, on the coal side, on the graphite side, and obviously we're, we're on, on the gas side. And one just simply hopes that these things will settle down. But it is of concern. Again, it boils down to my earlier scenario, supply and demand. It is going to be very, very difficult to bring all that supply that the demand curve demands into the market because of non-engineering factors that we are dealing with, um, soft issues such as ESG. And I'm not saying that's a soft issue, but I'm talking about a non-engineering issue, right down to security matters, right down to providing of capital, and then the overlay of COVID, which will simply mean that things will take much longer, as I said earlier, projects will take longer to to be developed. Thank you, Ilya. Bevan, question for you uh, from somebody who doesn't identify themselves, but what does the future of gold hold, short term and long term? To think that a kilogram of gold, which is no more than this cell phone, um, is over a million rand a kilogram. It's astonishing as gold rocketed to, what, $2,050 an ounce and has pulled back now closer to, to 1900 once again. But we expect huge volatility. But gold feels like it needs a crisis to hold on to. Otherwise, the world loses interest fairly quickly. What's your perspective? Well, I think I think it's interesting. Obviously, you, you've seen gold rally and, and platinum has maybe been left a little bit behind. Silver has also outperformed significantly because you know, I, I think people have looked at gold and they've realized that it's it's always kept its value ever since Egyptian days or ever since the pharaohs of Kush first got their gold from the mines of Ethiopia. So I, I think it's it's definitely rallied on, on fear, um, but it's also rallied just on the sheer amount of quantitative easing that is coming to the market. And, you know, a lot of that is coming to cryptocurrencies that have that are backing themselves with gold. There's there's thousands of tokens out there. And then Bitcoin is also rallied because all of that has now been sold, pump and dump, and then sold into Bitcoin. So every single asset class has really rallied. 
gold was clearly going to hit the the two thousand dollar technical level, um, but since then has has fallen back. Yeah, um, and I, I have no doubt that it will go back above two thousand before the end of the year, most likely, and continue going up. It will always keep its value as a as a hedge against inflation. Whether we actually get inflation in this new economic world that we're living in is is another question. There are those that argue that inflation is dead, and if inflation is dead, which I don't believe for a moment, I just think it's in a deep slumber. But if inflation is dead, then gold surely is doomed, or not? I'm I'm not sure. I think it's also in a deep slumber, and I think it's going to come it's going to come back like a thief in the night. Uh, Ilya, uh, you 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 think it's funny, or you're agreeing, or you think what an idiot? I'm not too sure which. I can't read your expression. Look, Adi is right now um i think we're dealing with a very complex environment but as 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 young as i am or as old as i am i've also seen things revert back to the mean and i think that's an important factor to consider while we do have these outliers the simple supply demands the fundamentals of of balancing itself out will come back to an extent how long that will take i don't i don't know do i have gold in the portfolio yes i mean i worked in gold mining for a very long time i still enjoy it i still enjoy the metal there is an allure to it and i understand why why people hold on to it in terms of a store of value. So I think that's a consideration to look at. Economic growth, uh, growth basic economic fundamentals means that we will need some kind of, of inflation or economic needs to be reinvented and, and economic growth needs to take place without inflation. So I'm not too sure inflation is dead. What we have seen though, just as much as we spoke about various different financing taking place for the mining industry, traditionally used to go to the equity market or the debt market, you now have traders coming in you have private equity coming in. What you have seen is people looking for alternative areas of putting their money um, rather than traditionally gold, which was there because that was the only mean. And Bevan addressed that cryptocurrency is one of them. And there are other ways of, of storing your, your money somewhere. And then, of course, this world is 30, 40, 50 years older with an incredible amount of wealth. And that wealth simply keeps on growing. So the safe haven of a gold still is there, but you're not seeing the flood of capital going in there because they have other avenues open to themselves. Tawana, give me a perspective as we wrap up then uh, this session with uh, APSA Insights. Give me a, a picture of the best possible future you see for the resources market. I, I think from, from my perspective, I'll probably contextualize it from an African perspective. Um, I think we did touch a bit on that. So, I mean, the price is the price, but, you know, there are four key fundamentals which one needs to look at um, in order to, to determine whether these projects or these investment opportunities really hold their own. I mean, I think a lot a lot has been spoken around logistics and, and my view around that is we talk about this cycle and what we are going to do with this cycle, let's say, of this commodity boom. I think they're shining examples whereby you look at a Botswana, whereby they have used what they endowed in, which is diamonds, in order to, to build up the economy. And I think so we need to, in a sense, come up with a concrete plan and not just leave it always to, to the mining houses to, to deal with these logistical challenges. I think Africa has, you know, as we said, a well-endowed in resource. We pretty much have every resource out there in the world. So I think whatever the cycle is, I think we we'll always um, have a seat at the table in terms of being relevant um, with regards to those commodities. When you pretty much look at the labor, Africa is a young population, young, hungry people wanting to get out there, work hard. So, you know, I think that gives us a competitive advantage. I mean, if you look at where demand is going to be in years to come, you know, we need to have beneficiation here in Africa because really the demand, I think, is going to be pretty much off the back of this young 
growing population of, of, of Africa. And the last thing which I just wanted to touch on is just on um, electricity. You know, I think we do need to develop these um, renewable energy sources, which in, in some cases are cheaper than the traditional energy sources. And I think, you know, when you look at all four of these factors where I see mining, especially in Africa, is I think we're able to tick off some of these now. Um, and I think we'll be able to tick some of them in, in time to come. And so I'm very optimistic in terms of mining in, in, in Africa going forward. Thank you very much, Tawanda. And then, uh, Shirley, a question to you from Sumesh Naidu, saying with the discovery of hydrocarbons, for example, at Brolpada, has the market sentiment increased for investment in South Africa's offshore waters? I do think currently it's too early to tell to what extent there would be investments, you know, happening into the South African um, country as well from, from, you know, many of the investors out there. The reality is it can happen. We've done it before. Some of the resources obviously run out. Um, now there's new discoveries. Um, we need our government, our Department of Mineral Resources and Energy to work with the investors to make sure we do get those investments in because otherwise South Africa is going to be left behind with many of the other discoveries that's out there. And that includes Mozambique, that includes Mauritania, Senegal, you know, countries that is is definitely sitting with a lot of gas reserves uh, that we've seen um, as well. So I do think there's commitment needed from all shareholders for responsible development, you know, of, of our natural resources. And it will lead to energy. Uh, in a granite, a wrap from you in terms of, I mean, the, it's the, the age-old issue, I suppose, of risk and reward. Um, this continent is full of opportunities. And there are... Uh, risks everywhere, but I suppose that is the, the wonder and the joy and the excitement and the what drives people like yourself um, to keep working in this industry is the fact that there is always opportunity despite um, all of the obstacles that are often put in put in your way. Yeah, and and maybe naively I believe in the goodness of mankind. You know, um, I've certainly have had absolute nothing but pleasure working in some of the amazing destinations on this continent. Yes, they are far and exotic and, you know, maybe the infrastructure is not what you expect to, to see and it's certainly not a Santon when you when you go up there. But if you look at the willingness of the people and yes, there are government obstacles that you have to deal with, but if you come with the right attitude, the rewards are absolutely amazing. You know, I've worked in, in, in the Congo. That's been an absolute pleasure in both Congos to, to operate in there. We've operated in Rwanda, We've, we have and are operating in Zimbabwe, which is, um, yes, it has its economic problems. Don't get me wrong, I understand that. But the impact that you can make as an investor um, just in your in your local area and then obviously on a much larger scale is, is very rewarding. And we continue to invest in South Africa. You know, we're just about to spend another billion rand on our operations here. So we do see those opportunities. Um, and, and as I said, the rewards are there, not just financially, but I think on a broader benevolent side, you do see the impact that you make um, if you come with the right attitude. And, and I see that as, as 
for me personally, something that I'd like to continue with for, for a long time to come. Bevan Jones, last word to you in terms of the opportunity set. Where does it sit? I think there's a whole new industry to be had in terms of restoration and rehabilitation in the mining industry. I mean, you've, you've got things like phyto mining, which is using plants which accumulate heavy minerals. You can make compost with Eskom's fly ash in their big dumps, etc. So, you know, we, we, we've, we just need, I, I wish we could take the thinking that, that drives, say, tech stocks and apply that to mining and, and come up with whole new opportunities, even whilst we're still going after our primary primary minerals. We should be doing both at the same time. I think the future is pretty bright. Expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights. Brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. For more, visit absainsights.co.za.